the one with Poppy's mom. As the final week of track practices and meets ran along, I found myself dropping by the tennis courts almost every day on the way up to the track. I was very much wanting to see Poppy in her tennis outfits and wanting to be seen by her as I cheered her. By the end of the week, she had definitely noticed that I was around an awful lot all of a sudden, and mostly around her. This resulted in us meeting and talking in the halls, a good bit too. We had even met up, and I had sat with her in the tuck one night, just the two of us. That had been going well until my boys Ben, Trez, and Alex all rolled in and sat down with us, driving Poppy away. On the plus side, she was happy to talk to me, but not them. But there was definitely a problem. She wasn't. I mean, look, I'll just say it. Poppy seemed disinclined to just fall on my penis as soon as she realized that I was interested in her. Yeah, I have become a very, very spoiled little boy. It is ridiculous, I know. Grumpy as I sound, the news was not all bad. I had known Poppy since freshman year. We had been in a shitload of classes together, especially English. I had had to endure reading a ton of her essays that were often. Let's just say they were better than mine, okay? She had never looked right through me like most girls, but she did mostly treat me as a fixture on the wall. The good news was that this spring, after a couple of weeks paying as much attention to her as I could randomly achieve, she did appear to at least be dimly aware that I was in fact a human. I think she even surmised that I was the kind of human most likely to have a penis. But she showed no signs of succumbing to that dude Alistair's intense gaze or anything. I was beginning to worry whether I had time enough left in the year to manage to be with this gorgeous creature, with her long black ponytail that she always had up hanging over the back of a tennis visor. But I wasn't going to give up. It was fun, and Poppy was fun to both listen to and look at. So I kept putting in appearances at the tennis courts. Almost every day, I would find time to swing by on the way up to run, usually for not more than ten minutes, sometimes less, sometimes a little more. And I tried not to watch just her. I like to encourage anyone who is being competitive. Moreover, I thought it was important to not seem like I was overtly stalking her. And it wasn't like there were not other cute girls on the team. When Poppy's mom was not feeding balls for practice, I'd usually chat with her. She almost always had her eye on Poppy, of course. And frankly, when I was there and couldn't see Poppy at the moment, her mother was a pretty damn gratifying substitute. The problem with that was that it was a lot more problematic. When we were talking, she was right next to me. That made it hard to hide that I was staring at her, though I tried. It was a unique opportunity to use the skills I had perfected before this spring, such as checking out girls without being caught. But that was much more difficult since the last two months of events had kicked off. My body had begun to train itself to be anything other than restrained when staring at a beautiful girl, or, in this case, beautiful woman. Beth called it I-fucking-her, and it usually resulted with her and with other girls I was interested in, in my actually fucking her. So I, fucking Poppy's mom, seemed just a bit fraught. Worse, while I, fucking Poppy, 
didn't seem to creep her out. Neither did it make her want to jump my bones. It all made my bone very frustrated. All this led to me being pretty sure I was busted on the mom, ogling front. Poppy's mom had shown up in a new tennis outfit that she must have just bought. She usually sported these really hot little outfits with tight, short-sleeved tops that she wore with the collar popped up and short skirts that were pleated and flared. It was pretty much the same style of outfit that Poppy herself wore for practices, and in them, each was lucky to look as good as the other. But this new tennis dress was. It was the super form. Fitting type you see on the professional tennis tour these days, usually being worn by a Russian with more curves than talent, and it fit her body like a glove. It was the kind of outfit that has a low scooped neckline that both shows some cleavage and lets you get a good look at the underlying sports bra in its coordinating colour. The skirt was tight and flat against her thighs, and short enough that all she had to do was bend her knees to feed a ball, and everybody could glimpse panties in that same coordinating colour as the bra. When I saw it, I immediately looked for Poppy. I'd have killed to see her in that dress. Alas, she had just a usual run-of-the-mill, super-hot outfit on. It was a downer. It also meant that even with Poppy right in front of me, I was sneaking way too many glances at her mother. At one point, I was tracing her curves with my eyes as she stood beside me, and as I went upward, I found her eyes looking back at me instead of the court. I swear, she just turned her shoulders right and then left, drawing my eyes right back down, involuntarily to her tits. Like I said, probably busted. Well, I gotta go, I said hastily. Time for practice, and I think I see some friends going up now, I added pointing past her as if that was where I had been looking. I caught Poppy's eye and waved, then jogged away up the hill hastily. I could hear Poppy's mom laugh as I ran off, probably busted, right? And then, something unexpected happened. I saw Carla walking in the hall ahead of me, after the last of the only two classes I had that day. After the app tests, the classes preparing for them were dismissed for the reminder of the year. This really was the home stretch for those of us seniors who took mostly app courses. I ran and caught up with her. Well, hello there, I said in my best Joey Tribbiani. How you doing? Carla laughed, like she usually does. But not as long as she usually does. And definitely not as lasciviously as she normally does when I say that. I was pretty much asking if she wanted to sneak off somewhere and horse around a little. Hey, Alistair, Carla said. Um, can we talk? I was, of course, aware of the Mamie that can we talk is never good news, but since I had never had the phrase directed at me before, my antennae did not shoot up like they ought to have. Sure, what's up? I asked, casually sauntering along, waving back at a girl who waved at me. Jeez, what was she, a sophomore? Yikes! Hey, I don't know if you know, but Ron Brookwood asked me out. Cool. He passes the chill test, I said. Ron actually was more than just chill in my book. He wasn't a friend, but his behavior toward me the last three years had him in my good graces. I immediately hoped he and Carla would hit it off. Yeah, 
Carla said, trailing off uncertainly. Not sure where it is going, I asked, interested and utterly oblivious. Um, I'm not sure where it is going, or how far, or when, Carla said, a little tartly. Well, we all scatter to the four winds in a couple of weeks, I observed, though it was a subject we all tended to avoid. This was all going to end soon. I don't mean just my sex. Wrenched spring with all sorts of girls. But my four years at this amazing, I begrudgingly admitted school. You might want to get on that while you can. Carla cocked her head at me. You do know that Ron is going to Chapel Hill. Oh, oh, Carla was going to Unk, Chapel Hill as well. Her parents had about shit with pride. And Ron would be going there too. My mind spun. That upset the whole eat, fuck, and be merry applecart we had all been living. Look, Alistair, it's just that. I get it, I said with as much warmth as I could muster, which was a fair amount, I was proud to note. You really don't know where this might go, or for how long, and it might be just a tad awkward if things progress as you hope they might, and you are still fucking your track, buddy. She looked at me. Yeah, she sighed and looked down. Hey, I said sharply. She looked up involuntarily. I could still command her. Look, I said. Go get him. I held up a fist. She bumped it and turned off in another direction. It wasn't a gut punch or anything, but that was one fucking hell of a reality check. A beautiful, fun girl had just punched out of my life prematurely, or at least I felt it was premature. But after graduation, they all would be punching out. We were going our separate ways, none of them to a college anywhere near Los Angeles. Sure, I hoped to see them again in the future. Hell, I hoped to fuck one or two of them in the future. Lots of people came back to our school for alumni day each year. But they would be out of my life in any regular or meaningful way. I wandered down the hall pensively. With track over, I had my whole afternoon free. There were several girls I might seek out to spend some time with, but I wasn't feeling it. Introspection sucks when you are a teenager. But I was not going to just sit in my room on such a beautiful New England spring day. Oh well, if I didn't want to look back at what I already had and was losing, I might as well see if I could still see something new. I sauntered out toward the tennis facility, earlier than I usually do. I, of all people, really had no excuse to be glum. Well, hello, Alistair, said a soft alto voice behind me. Poppy's mom, and she had snuck up on me. Oh, hello, missus. I mean, Miss Fields, I said hastily, caught off guard. It's Manning now, she reminded me yet again, drolly. I doubt you are going to get it straight this late in the game, Alistair. Just call me Sloane. Why don't you, Sloane, I said, surprised. Calling an adult woman by her first name was not a new experience for me, but calling the mother of a friend, or at least an acquaintance, by her first name was, Yes, Sloane. Do you like my name? she asked sweetly. Well, yes, I guess, I said. She had me off guard to begin with by sneaking up on me. But that wasn't my only problem. On court, Poppy had apparently borrowed her mother's dress from the last time I had been at practice, the ultra, tight athletic one, on her. It actually fit better, I thought. It wasn't as tight, well, anywhere, though only by a little bit, but the fractionally looser way it sat on Poppy's body just let the fabric slide over her form the way I guess it was supposed to. 
It was hard to watch Poppy warm up and not wish I was caressing her sweet, round ass and tasty breasts like that dress, like that dress was. She did have on different underwear, but it was still meant to be seen. So it was damned hard not to keep my eyes locked on her. But, Miss Manning, Sloane was standing next to me and talking to me. The problem with that was that she might have not been wearing the new painted on dress, but I was still instantly aware, the moment she surprised me, that she was still way hotter dressed than was her average. Her red skirt was not as short as the dress had been, but it was just as tight and stretchy, and her top was. I realized that she didn't have a top, she was wearing a bodysuit under the skirt. It was made of a white, vertically ribbed fabric with a widely scooped neck and short sleeves that only served to accentuate her sleek, lightly muscular shoulders. So, I was trying to have a conversation with Miss, with Sloane, while trying not to just outright eye, fuck her to her face. That would have been fun in the abstract, but I was here to eye, fuck Poppy, and in that dress, Poppy desperately needed to be I, fucked. You are here early, Sloane observed, as all this ran through my mind, and my eyes tried to find somewhere safe to rest. Now that apps are done, I don't have many classes, I said, and track already had its last meet, so my afternoon is free until dinner. So, you intend to spend your afternoon watching Poppy and her friends hit balls, she smirked. I wanted to take a walk. It's a beautiful day, I said defensively. But, damn it, if she was going to poke fun at me, then my new conversational patterns, the ones that were serving me so well, demanded that I poke back at least a little, even if Sloane was a parent and a coach. That said, I walked over here because the view is better than the one of the groundkeeper's hut, she laughed knowingly, the wench. For the record, when I got your last name wrong, you had just caught me off guard, and I knew your first name already, too, I said defiantly. I googled you yesterday. Did you Google me hard? Sloane replied archly. Christ, could I just get Poppy to flirt with me half as hard as Sloane was teasing me? You lied to me, I said with a smile. Excuse me, you took a game off of Steffi in that match. On Arthur Ashe, you did Google me, Sloane said in surprise. Why did you lie? Sloane shrugged. It was a routine waxing. Saying it was a double bagel at least makes it sound epic. I snorted, finally warming to a conversation that let me concentrate on something other than tits and legs. You won a game against possibly the best female player of all time. Serena is better, she replied, almost automatically. Maybe, I said. But great as Serena is, a lot of her success comes from just flat out intimidating the opponents she has. Are you going to tell me that Steffi, or Monica Seles, or Navratilova would have let her push them around like that. No, they'd have all just punched right back. How do you know so much about women's tennis? Sloane asked with genuine curiosity, though not in agreement. Tennis is the one sport, as far as I'm concerned, where the women's game is at least as compelling, if not more so, than the men's, I said. Then, I deliberately looked right at her. Even when you discount the scenery, her eyes widened, and then she laughed. I have to go feed balls. Feel free to watch. You might learn something. Hey, Poppy. Hello, Miranda. 
I said. I had just run into Poppy and her tennis teammate in the corridor on the way to my only class that entire day. Hey, Al, said Miranda, whom I barely knew. Alistair, said Poppy. Hey, did you watch our whole practice yesterday? He did, Miranda asked, puzzled. Apparently, I was still invisible to her. It actually comforted me that that phenomenon still existed in some cases. It made my life seem at least slightly contiguous. I did not, I replied. I sat around for about 45 minutes of your practice. This whole no practice and almost no classes is not all it is cracked up to be, I added. I'm getting a little bored already. You didn't seem bored talking to my mom. How is it having her be your coach? I assume she has taught you all her life, I asked, deflecting her comment. Mostly, she is cool, Poppy began. Except when she wears your tennis dresses, teased Miranda. Poppy was so pissed the other day, she went home and repossessed it. The purple one? I asked without thinking. You noticed it? Poppy asked, on both of us. For the record, it looks a bit better on you, I said. Ooh, said Miranda. Poppy seemed unprepared for the compliment and did a little deflection herself. But it looks good on my mother, I shrugged. Better on you. And I turned and walked away with a cheery wave. I had finally gotten Poppy off. Balance. I wanted to leave her that way. After a moment, I looked back and caught both Poppy and Miranda looking back at me as they walked off themselves. Apparently, I was no longer invisible to Miranda either, but more importantly, I had finally disrupted Poppy's natural poise, if only a little. The next day, the girls actually had a match, which was cool. The downside was that the school's tennis uniform was not nearly as hot as the outfits that Poppy and a few of her teammates usually wore. The upside was that I had a good excuse to be there the whole time. And how bad can any short skirt and t-shirt look on a hot girl? I waited before heading up, so I wasn't there for the beginning of the match, not because I wanted to miss the doubles, but because staying for the entire match might seem a lot, and I hoped to find a way to wander back afterward with Poppy. The singles matches were well underway when I arrived, and I settled in on the far side of courts one and two to watch. He was playing really well, but so was her opponent. They went to a tie, break, and were the last of five courts to finish the first set. As I said, the school uniform was not terribly attractive, though Poppy certainly looked good in hers. Heck, for that matter, Miranda down on court four looked pretty fine too, but Sloane was not constrained by the uniform requirements. She could have dressed in street clothes since she wasn't going to be on court but she had on a simple, white, loose tennis dress. It should not have been sexy, but it was achingly so anyway. It was certainly short enough to show off her firm legs, and while the sleeveless top of the dress had a neckline that was miles from showing any cleavage, it was fitted so beautifully that it practically screamed great tits inside without pulling tightly anywhere. I'll admit it. I found my eyes following Sloane's movements as much as Poppy's. They were both totally delicious, and Sloane was just so much better packaged that day. I watched most of the second sets from the far side before I just got bored sitting alone. Anyone else at school who wanted to watch sports that day was probably down at the boys' varsity lacrosse game. It was a pretty important matchup. 
I got off my ass and wandered around the courts to the other side, where the coaches were prowling. The opponent's coach was pretty old, maybe fifty or something. He mostly just stalked back and forth and shouted platitudes at his players. Sloane wandered straight over to me when I came around. Hello, Alistair, she said with a grin. You've been at this match a good while now. Have someone you especially want to watch. Oh, so we are going right back into this, are we, Sloane? The boys' lacrosse uniforms don't show as much skin, I said mildly, staring at Poppy as I spoke. Sloane just snorted and went back to paying attention to the match. Three courts were done after two sets, and our school was up too. Poppy had split, as well as Miranda, and both were into their third sets. Poppy had seen me, of course. There weren't that many spectators, but she had not done much more than wave. She was very focused on her match. Miranda was getting her ass kicked all of a sudden. I should have been focusing on Poppy. She was the hot one. She was also the one who the team's hopes rested on, because Miranda was going to lose. It looked like, but Sloane was down by Miranda's court, showing support. Of course, Sloane almost immediately caught me staring at her. I was busted so red-handed, red, eyeballed. I didn't try to look away. I just brazened it out and stared at her with a smile. I wasn't going to give her the satisfaction of teasing me. Besides, Sloane was great to stare at. I mean, sure, she was banging hot and looked crazy young for her age. I had literally mistaken her for Poppy from behind a week or so ago. But there were little things like her posture, and the way she carried herself that were. Different from Poppy, or any of the girls I was involved with for that matter, she just moved through life like she knew what she was doing. She wasn't all la-di-da, top of the world or anything. The delicate lines around her eyes showed that she had worries, or had had worries, or had had worries. I didn't know, but whatever, the world just wasn't still new to her. I watched Poppy struggle in her third set, and I watched her mom from a distance, where she was standing by Miranda, till the bitter end, which came mercifully quick. One of their teammates, a plain little sophomore, had stuck by to watch, but had to go after Miranda went down. The day was getting late. The other two girls had left already. As far as I was concerned, Mrs. Raleigh hadn't built a very cohesive team attitude. You don't leave while your teammates are still competing. Sloane walked over to me. When she saw me watching her approach, I swear she slowed down her stride. She finally slid up next to me. What's our score? She asked without a greeting. Poppy still has her break, I said. She's serving at deuce right now. If she holds, she can serve for the match next time around. I'm aware how tennis scoring works, Sloane said dryly. I grinned at her. Since this is the third set, if she wins it, she wins the match, I added. Sloane looked at me like I was the arse I was being. And since the overall score is two, two, if Poppy wins her match, it looks good for you to notch a winner's coach, I went on with wide-eyed innocence. She actually poked me in the ribs for that one, but giggled about as much as a grown adult woman can giggle. She was calling me the John McEnroe of high school sports when Melissa stomped over from her defeat. Sloane immediately ignored me and went to give her a hug. Melissa was a good egg and wanted to stay to support Poppy, but Sloane sent her back to her dorm to wash away the defeat and have dinner. You have been here forever, Alistair, she added. You can head off if you want. I'm Poppy's mother, 
I should be enough of a cheering section for her. I like to see things through all the way, I said, groaning as Poppy fell back to deduce. Besides, no track and only a couple of easy classes has me pretty bored today. This helps. Oh, you are bored, are you? Sloane asked, suddenly somehow dangerous. Well, in that case you can help me put everything away up here when Poppy is done. I can always find something for idle hands to do. No one is bored around me. No, I suppose not, I replied glumly. I had not been expecting to pick up chores, for God's sake. I just wanted to ogle hot females in tennis attire. But I'll admit, I had been fantasizing a bit about how Sloane might keep me from being bored for a while now. Watching her as intently as I had been will do that to a guy. I think she heard it in my voice, because her laugh was more hearty than evil. Poppy held at last. And then, considerately, she broke to take the match, instead of making us wait for her to serve out the last game. It really was getting late, and the other team, and their coach, vanished like smoke in what felt like seconds after the final point. Poppy toweled herself down, which I found quite riveting to watch, as she walked up to us, a huge grin on her face. She and her mother fist bumped, then hugged each other hard. Nice match, I said enthusiastically. That hold in the next-to-last game was epic. I can't believe you are still here, Alistair, Poppy said with a smile. I appreciate it, though. I might have been out of here, I said easily, except your mother has work for us to do, apparently. He told me he was having a boring day, so I drafted him, Sloane said easily. Oh, dude, never tell my mom that you are bored, Poppy laughed. Then she hastily added, to her mother, just so you know, I am not bored. At all, I am sticky and hot and need a shower, and I have plans with some friends that I am going to be late for already. Sloane laughed in turn and actually bumped hips with Poppy. Go on, you did your part. And there is really very little to do up here, just the scorecards and stuff. Alistair will be all the help I need. I'm really just punishing him for saying he was bored while he was in the middle of a conversation with me. Hey, I didn't mean... I started to protest, but they both just laughed at me. Thanks for coming. Alistair, Poppy said with a very nice smile. Then she waved at us both and hightailed it before her mom could change her mind. I enjoyed watching her go, even in the baggy, shapeless uniform tennis skirt. I'm pretty sure Sloane waited while I watched her daughter's arse. Anyway she said, after Poppy went out of sight. All I really could use your help with is collecting the scorekeeping standards and bringing them over to the shed. All I need to do is push the basket of warm-up balls over and put it away. I grabbed the plastic poles with numbers on them that players use to indicate the score on each court, but found myself keeping my eyes still on Sloane as she bent to pick up a few stray balls left over from the match and put them in the practice ball bin. Her ass swayed quite arrestingly in that flowing white dress as she pushed the heavy cart toward the shed. I collected the last scorekeeper and hustled after her. Sloane locked the shed and we started walking back to where we had come. My experiment in powering through her teases had led me to forget that openly appreciating the way Sloane looked might not be the wisest thing in the world. When we went through the exit to the courts, right by the little parking lot where the other team's bus had long departed. Sloane stopped and turned toward me. You are a hard one to figure out, Alistair, she said abruptly. 
Then she seemed to cut herself off. "'I'm sorry. What do you mean?' I asked, not wanting to have offended. "'The way you look at me is not. It doesn't fit. Ikes, I, I, I'm sorry, Sloane, Miss Manning. I didn't mean to.' "'Oh, shut up, Alistair,' Sloane said briskly. "'Men look at me. I'm quite used to it. But you don't do it the way I'd expect. It's off-putting. No, it's not at all, really. But it is strange.' Ah, I said articulately, I was not eager to be dressed down by an adult woman for scoping her out. The way you look at me is almost normal, but not for a young man like you, Sloane said, apparently thinking out loud, as if working through her thoughts. Boys look at me. I know, but any time I catch them at it, they do what they are supposed to do and shy away, pretending they weren't doing anything. Sometimes, when they are in a group, I'll hear them whispering or giggling when they think I've gone. Grown men will stare at me, quite comfortably. Some, in places like a bar or something, will be pretty brazen about it, she trailed off. Almost as brazen as you, I was pretty much like a deer in the headlights. At least I was keeping my eyes on her face. You don't look at me like boys do, Alistair, Sloane said sharply. You look at me like a grown man, but in a lovely, youthful boy's body. Lovely, it's inappropriate, actually, she said, getting up ahead of steam. It's like you think I'm some kind of milf, literally, I thought to myself. Her eyes widened, and she inhaled a half-smiling gasp of shock, staring at me. Oh shit, I'd said that out loud. Fuck, I have got to get those filters on my hormonal thoughts to stay in place, except for when I actively want them to go away. She laughed out loud and turned back beside me and we resumed walking. I am a very spoiled boy, spoiled by success, spoiled by getting away with just about everything I try, accidentally or on purpose. And Sloane was most definitely, literally, a mom I'd like to fuck. As I walked beside her on the path, I let the back of my hand brush her hip for a fleeting second. I deliberately was not looking at her when I did. She flinched but didn't say anything and she didn't open the distance between us. I let the back of my hand brush her hip again, but let it linger. She not only didn't flinch this time, she leaned into it a little. I was just thinking about flipping my hand over so that the palm would rest on her hip. Maybe her ass, when Sloane finally, abruptly stopped. I looked down at her. Oh, Alistair, she sighed. You are going to be such a big mistake. I laughed shallowly. You too, Sloane or you would be. There is just no hair nearby, where we could find enough privacy to make some awesome mistakes. It was a good out for her, and was sadly also true. We were close to the main campus, and while currently alone, there were no nooks or crannies nearby, where I could get the awesome chance to feel up Poppy's mom. Oh, really? Sloane said archly. She took an audible breath. I happen to have a four-bedroom home, where I live alone, less than a mile from campus, and my car is right there in front of us. We both leapt toward the big, white, Jimsy Yukon. Neither of us said a word on the swift drive. I had pretty much forgotten that Poppy, like Jen, for that matter, had been a day student her first two years at school. I wondered if her parents' marital troubles had led to her becoming a boarding student. Sloane slid the big SUV into her garage and let the door start to close, before she cut it off and stared at me. I stared back, 
After a moment, grins crossed both our faces. The garage door clicked closed, and Sloane instantly was out of the vehicle. I followed as fast as I could find the door handle. I slid through the garage door into the kitchen, a few steps behind her. She had turned toward me, almost at bay. She looked a little flushed and wild around the eyes. Honestly, she looked horny as hell, which suited me just fine. Our eyes met as I closed the distance between us. There was a complete understanding, I felt. I should have been hesitant. I wanted to be hesitant, but I went right to her. My male instinct was in full flow, and I let it run. If I didn't want to seem like a hapless little boy with this beautiful, grown, ass-woman, I was going to need every shred of my new, weirdly powerful confidence I could harness. I lifted a hand to her jawline, stroked back along it until I was cupping the back of her head, ponytail in the crook of my thumb. I bent down to her, eyes still locked on hers, and kissed her, gently but full on the lips. Her lids never shut, and the two of us stared into each other's depths as our lips caressed one another, finally parting and allowing our tongues to join the quietly intense party. I tightened my grip on her ponytail, and she in turn wrapped her arms around my waist. I felt one hand trail downward and cup my ass. I lifted my free hand and caressed a lovely breast. It was warm and firm, and even through her bra, I could feel her nipple hardening. I tugged backward on Sloane's ponytail, even further, bearing her neck. I released our kiss and bent further to suck and nuzzle on her throat. Oh, wow, Sloane sighed. I felt her hands release me and slide around between us. She began to fumble, albeit expertly at the fly on my trousers, but I said, ah, I pulled her hands off me, very gently. What? Sloane asked, confused. You first, I said, still devouring her neck. I released her breast and her hair and moved my hands under the short hem of her dress. I stroked the tight, brief modesty shorts she wore underneath, then tugged them downward. I felt no underwear beneath them. I slid them free and down her hips, caressing her smooth, hard thighs as I went. She shivered. I ran my hands up the outsides of her legs and grasped her bare ass with both hands. I turned her and popped her up to perch on the edge of the kitchen counter. She yelped a little. We! You first, I repeated softly. I lifted one lithe leg, yanking off the shoe and sock. Then I stretched it out straight, holding onto her ankle. I kissed that ankle. Then slowly, as slowly as I could restrain myself to do, I started kissing and nibbling my way up the inside of her leg. I forced myself to take my time. I'll tell you, decades of practice make a difference in shaving. Apparently, there was not a single stubble on this woman's glass, smooth leg, and believe me, I'd have found it, given all my exploring. I bent more and more as I moved closer to my destination. As I drew near, Sloane pulled the hem of her tennis dress up. She did not shave her pussy. It was lightly trimmed between her legs, but otherwise a glorious tangle of unruly black hair that was visibly damp. Well, she said as she revealed herself, it's been a while and I was not expecting to have visitors, or I'd have cleaned up a bit more. She was almost apologetic. 
I just couldn't restrain myself and dove the rest of the way between her thighs. The moisture of her hair smelled and tasted delicious as I buried my face in her. She instantly moaned in response to my arrival. I draped the extended leg that I had kissed the length of over my shoulder and back, and then moved my hand between her legs to trace the length of her slit. Sloane hissed as I used two fingertips to part the tangled hair. My tongue dove into her, probing hard and eager. Sloane only moaned more deeply. My upper lip found her clit and my tongue followed, making her shiver in response. I took the fingers that had parted her hair and slid them inside her as I let my tongue lavish care on that little bud. Suddenly, Sloane's hands were both buried in the hair atop my head and she held me in place as her hips bucked slightly against my face. I wanted to make her come, and fast, I wanted her to know that I could do that for her. I rolled my tongue on her clit and probed upward, inside her with my fingers, seeking where she kept that special node of nerve endings. I knew I found it when Sloane started crooning happily. I stroked away as gently as I could and suckled on her clit. Holy shit, Sloane cried loudly. Her whole body quaked as convulsions took her. She only remained upright because of her desperate grip on my head. I would, in retrospect, have appreciated a gentler grip on my hair, but in the moment it was awesome. I held my attention on her clit while the convulsions lasted. I'd have kept going, but there was so much more I wanted to do to this woman, should she give me the chance. I raised my head slowly and took in the crazed, glazed look on her face, sweat suddenly beading on her forehead. What the fuck was that? Sloane gasped with a huge smile. How the hell did you learn to eat pussy like that? That seemed like a loaded question. Still, I am an utterly cocky bastard these days, so... Practice, 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 I said with a leer. Sloane, still panting, looked at me askance. I'm pretty sure that I don't want to know. We both chuckled. I almost want to beg for another practice session, she said suddenly swinging her legs up and onto the kitchen counter, pointing away from me. But you interrupted my own little demonstration that I really, really want to get back to. With that, she rolled over onto her stomach on the countertop. She reached out over the edge and grabbed the waistband of my pants. She pulled me forward and yanked my fly open. I pulled my shirt up out of the way. With swift movements, Sloane tugged loose my underwear and shoved my pants downward. My cock sprang free and waved in front of her. Very nice, Sloane observed happily. It's appropriate, considering how cocky you are. It had happened. For the first time, someone saw my tumescent dick and had not freaked out in surprise, fear, or glee, usually all three. I was actually disappointed. For about half a second, then Sloane reached out, grabbed the base of my shaft in a gently expert fashion, and slid forward, hanging off the counter's edge to suck my head straight into her mouth. Holy shit indeed! She braced herself on the counter with her free hand and began to stroke me just a hair more urgently than idle. Then she sucked hard on my knob at the same time as she was slipping her mouth off of me, ending in an audible pop. She slid her hand up to grasp my newly soaked head and then slid back down lubricating my shaft with the saliva she had collected. 
Then she repeated the whole thing three more times, until my entire cock was dripping, in saliva, and my helmet was practically purple, like a bruise in agonized arousal. Ready to start, Sloane smiled up at me wickedly. Start! I could not help but gasp. She just smiled and firmly guided my head back between her lips. She suckled on me gently, just letting my cock rest in her mouth. It was amazing, but didn't seem like the epic whatever she had been intimating. Her hand slipped from my shaft and went around to grasp my arse. And she pulled me forward, driving my cock deeper into her mouth. I moaned as I slid deeper. I hit the back of her throat and she hacked a little. I pulled back quickly in alarm. Her hand clamped down hard on my ass. however, stopping my retreat. After a moment, she pulled me back toward her again. I felt myself hit the back of her throat and slide beyond, way beyond. I shivered at the sensation of distending her throat. She gently released the pressure on my ass, and I gasped in pleasure as I pulled myself back. Then she stopped me again and pushed me back in. In a few passes, I was fucking her mouth, even her throat. I stared in amazement as I thrust in and out of her face. Her concentration was fierce as she fought to maintain her breath, and her eyes watered with the effort. But she kept encouraging me with her fingertips. I was at a boil almost instantly. This was way crazier, more advanced cocksucking than I had ever imagined. You are making me come already, I gasped. Her pressure on my ass immediately slacked. She lifted her head and I backed off, letting my entire length slide free of her mouth. She grasped my shaft and pumped furiously, kissing and licking at the tip. I moaned as I came to a boil and she pulled back, letting my cum spray all over her face. She smiled, eyes closed as I jetted over and over on her happy features. I almost fell down, spent. I staggered back half a step, a last drop of cum dripping out of my cock. Still got it, Sloane said happily to herself, sitting up on the countertop and grabbing a bunch of paper to Wells. She wiped and cleaned her face, of both cum and tears, and in moments looked as fresh and amazing as before we started. I stepped forward, grabbed either side of her head and kissed her gleefully. We each tasted our own fluids on the other's mouth and only kissed each other harder. Sloane tugged up on my shirt and pulled it over my head. I kicked my shoes and pants off together in a tangle, standing naked before her. I reached out and took Sloane's hand, helping her to stand up again. I caressed my hands down her front, over her breasts, down her tummy, and to her hips. I bunched up the fabric of her dress and pulled upward. She raised her hands eagerly, and I slid the garment free. Her bra was white and sheer, giving me a very nice view of her rosy aureoles and crazily erect nipples through the fabric. But it was still an obstructed view, so I reached around her and slid the hooks open in back. I stepped back a little, still holding the bra, and it slid free. Sloane just stood there in front of me for a moment, breath heaving, which incidentally made the view of her now naked chest even more awesome. She reached out and took one of my hands. She said one word, bed, and turned toward the rest of the house. Holy shit, I was finally going to fuck someone in a bed. The two of us ran through her living room, me completely naked, and Sloane with her left shoe and sock still on her foot. She swung open the door to her bedroom, 
and I followed her in. It was neat as a pin, and decorated in various shades and themes of blue. It was dominated by a huge, probably king-sized bed in the centre of the far wall. It was piled up with pillows at the head, and had no footboard. Sloane literally leapt on top of the bed and rolled onto her back, propping herself up on all the pillows. She cocked one leg sexily and beckoned me with a crooked finger. Her body was just delicious. She was tight everywhere, trim and sleek. Her breasts were firmer than I would have imagined, but clearly were more mature than I was used to. I immediately wanted to get my hands and lips on their soft, generous curves. I obeyed her call and crawled slowly up the foot of the bed. I bent and kissed her shin above the one shoe. Take off my shoe, Sloane commanded. I grinned up at her. I like it. It's kind of dirty seeing you with just the one on your naked body. She only chuckled in reply. I resumed kissing her shin, then moving upward. As I reached the dark tangle between her legs, I began to delve once more. But she gripped her thighs tightly together. No, no, Sloane called. No getting sidetracked again, much as I would like it. Get on up here. I shrugged and slip upward. On the centre of her belly, well below her navel, was a small horizontal scar. It was faint, but you could tell it had been deep. What's this? I asked. Sloane laughed. That is my Caesarian scar, courtesy of Poppy's little brother, Brooks. Poppy has a brother, I asked idly as I explored her tummy, scar and all. He goes to Canterbury, Sloane said. Actually, she added softly, that is a sort of a bonus for you. How? I asked, confused. There were complications, hence the Caesarean, Sloane said softly. The end result is that we need not worry about birth control. Oh God, I'm so sorry, I said, jerking my head up to look stricken into Sloane's eyes. She only smiled. My literally cocksucking ex-husband gave me a lot of money and two amazing kids. It's enough. She held my eyes, and I saw that it was. Mostly. Now you were going somewhere, she demanded. I was happy to move on from that uncomfortable exchange and worked my way further up. I had barely begun to enjoy those delicious breasts, kneading them and teasing their little nipples with my teeth. However, before Sloane was tugging me upward again, I slid up over her, kissing her at last. My cock brushed against her bush below. Sloane kissed me deeply, and I felt her hand steal between us to caress my once again throbbing hard on That is a very nice cock you have there, Alistair, as I'm sure you have been told, she said softly, massaging my harder. It is time for you to fuck me with it. Sloane spread her legs slowly, and I shifted between them. She pointed me down between her thighs, and I shifted my hips to help. I pressed upwards, and she guided me right to her wettest point. I sighed as my head slipped inside. She withdrew her hand and draped both of them over my back. Looking up at me, she sighed. I think I hit the lottery today with you, Alistair, I snorted. As if. I may have, though. And I sank into her. I am used to tight, resistant, first penetrations. Having to work my way into a girl. With Sloane, I slid home to my entire length in a single easy, mind-blowing stroke. Her vagina was an incredible, graceful, gentle embrace, flowing with moisture and almost feverishly warm. 
I moaned involuntarily at the shockingly swift entry. Sloane in turn cried out happily as my ball slapped against her ass. Oh, fuck! I cried out. Yes, dear, that is what we are doing, Sloane laughed. If you will get on with it, that is. I began to thrust. It was insane. It was simple missionary. But she still was so active beneath me, clearly aware how to extract maximum pleasure like that. My mouth was everywhere, kissing her neck and mouth and breasts. I kept shifting the angle of my thrusts, gauging her reactions. Sloane knew how to let me know what worked best, and I concentrated there. I was quivering soon, employing all my limited experience to hold off the truly stupefying orgasm I felt lurking. I felt her hand slip between us and tease at her own clitoris. I reached awkwardly down as well, trying to do that for her. She batted my hand away and returned to stroking herself. Just relax and enjoy fucking me, Alistair, she instructed. You are doing incredibly well, and I'm loving it. Just enjoy yourself. I just want to be ready to come myself when you pour that hot seed inside me. I just stared down at her and let myself pound into her with all the abandon my body wanted. Yes, Sloane shrieked. Yes, she moaned beneath me, and her shudders broke me. I could hold on no longer, and my hip slammed into her hard. She gasped again at the impact, and then yet again as I gushed inside of her. My whole body shook, just like I'm pretty sure hers was below me. I growled in ecstasy, and she keened an orgasmic cry in response to my weight. My efforts, my offering, and her own digital supplementation. I collapsed on top of her, then rolled off to the side quickly. She was a lot smaller than me, and I did not want to keep her from breathing. Oh, holy Hannah, Sloane crooned happily. This is one hell of a way to break a fast. A fast? I asked. I asked. I asked. I asked. I divorce finalized over a year ago, she said. And as you can imagine, Roger and I were hardly getting jiggy with it much in the years before. In short, it has been a minute since someone besides me has made me come. Permission to do it again, I asked. Now, she asked in shock. Already. Give me a couple breaths, I chuckled. But not too many. I so want to fuck you again. Stay here, Sloane laughed. She rose and hurried off to the bathroom. Then she emerged and dashed off to the kitchen. I heard the fridge open, and then after a minute, she returned. She climbed onto the bed beside me and handed me a can of Coke. For herself, she had a third of a glass of white wine. I feel vaguely ridiculous, under the current circumstances, to be giving you a soda while I drink wine, Sloane laughed. But, she shrugged and trailed off helplessly. I was just glad for the hydration and the sugar. I felt a little exhausted but was damned intent on extending this event as long as I could. Once I had guzzled my drink, I found that Sloane had nearly finished hers as well. We both set the containers aside next to the bed and began to kiss each other tenderly, lying side by side on the huge soft bed. I was already sold on beds for sex. They were awesome. I was finally able to indulge myself in playing with Sloane's tits. So damned nice but Sloane was aware, almost before I was that, my cock was awakening again. Her fingers began to stroke me, aiding its resurrection handily. You have some stamina, my friend, she murmured through our kiss. With sudden determination, Sloane rolled me over onto my back and rose to straddle me, 
her hand still locked on my cock. I may be hard again already, but it still might take a while to be ready to fuck you, I said in amusement. You are plenty hard enough for me to fuck you this instant, she replied tartly. If this means that you will just last like the Energizer Bunny this time, I'm fine with that. With that, she rose up to squat on her heels astride me and directed my to her slit. Here we go, she moaned as she slid down on top of me. We groaned in unison as she impaled herself. She came to a stop with me fully within her and began to rock, squeezing me gently inside her. She placed her hands on my ribcage and began to ride me. She shifted back and forth, sliding up and down with my cock at different down with my cock at different angles, experimenting with each. My mind, boggled arousal, warred with my earlier expenditures. The arousal was going to overpower exhaustion. That was inevitable. But it might be going to take a while. Like Sloane, I could more than live with that. She just rode me, providing pleasure for me while she used me to stroke her favourite spots. She came suddenly and without warning. Sparks of ecstasy transmitted themselves to me, but I was still only getting started. Sloane collapsed on top of me and I embraced her softly. That was amazing, I breathed. I'm not done, she murmured happily into my neck. And obviously, neither are you. Just hold still and let me gather myself. I happily lay beneath her, occasionally pulsing my cock inside her as she gathered her breath. Without warning, she kissed me, rose up and started riding me again. She knew exactly now how she wanted to do it, and I found that it sure as shit worked for me too. I lifted my hands to grasp her tits and massaged them as she rode me easily. Sloane tossed her head in delight and gasped. God, this is so good. Holy shit, mom, said a female voice. Right on, it was Poppy's voice. It was filled with both shock and involuntary enthusiasm. She clearly knew her mom had been being a hermit. The only good thing to result from Poppy's exclamation was the sudden panicked clampdown on my cock by Sloane's vagina, and that lasted but an instant before Sloane rolled off me in panic and snatched at a couple of pillows to cover herself up. I had been getting closer to coming, and my body was slower to react. My brain, however, was fully capable of appreciating the enormous disaster that was unfolding. Turns out, when Sloane rolled away, Poppy could now see clearly just who her mother had been riding. Holy shit, Mom, Poppy said again, this time in an angry scream. Alistair, what the fuck, Mom? I was immediately aware that shit had gone sideways. What I forgot for a second or two was that I was not only caught, but naked and caught. I think that I had reached a level of body positivity, at least about my private parts, that it had overridden my natural modesty instinct. I just lay there in shock. By the time it registered that grabbing a pillow, myself, would be at the very least good form. It was too late. Poppy was just standing there in her towering, shocked rage. Inevitably, her gaze reset and registered my cock, waving around as it was, straining still to get back at what it had been enjoying. Damned thing has no sense of shame. I watched, realizing what was happening too late, as her eyes shot so wide that I could see her whites all the way around her irises. Holy shit, mom, seemed to be Poppy's only remaining vocabulary. She pointed a wavering finger at my cock, just as I desperately grabbed a pillow 
and covered myself. Poppy's jaw worked, words temporarily unfound. Darling, Sloane started to say. Poppy ignored her. Now her attention was focused on me. You, she hissed. You, she hissed. You put that thing in my mother. She screamed inarticulately, threw up her hands, and ran. We heard the front door slam a moment later. In one afternoon, I had finally encountered a woman who did not lose her mind when she saw my cock for the first time, and another who did, just like everybody else, but for the first time, I wasn't happy about it. The ride back to school was, to say the least, awkward. Sloane kept blushing, or staring at me, or pointedly not staring at me. But right before we got back to campus, she suddenly pulled over in the parking lot of the currently out-of-business Peter's Potts restaurant. The location regularly went out of business. Someone would, in due time, open a new, completely different place. They're called Peter's Potts, that was allegedly established in 1937. They apparently always did. Sloane's Yukon crunched to a stop on the litter, strewn gravel, her hands gripped and relaxed on the wheel. She took a deep breath. She stared out the windshield. I just waited quietly. We can't do this again, she said firmly. I had kind of figured that, so I said nothing. If for no other reason, Sloane went on, flashing a tiny grin, than that I don't want my daughter to ground me for life. I hesitated, then replied, I'm pretty sure she is already going to ground you for life. Sloane laughed at that. Probably, she looked at me with another smirk. I'm also pretty sure that your original campaign to do to her what you just did to me has likely also crashed and burned, she said, acerbically. Yeah, I sighed. Probably, she laughed hysterically. I can't believe that you just outright admitted to me that you want to bang my daughter. Wanted, I said glumly, emphasizing the past tense. I was happy to make Sloane laugh, at least. You, Sloane said in amazement, are the ballsiest male human I have ever met, and I once fucked Mark Philippos's. Really, I said interested, in spite of myself. Any other names I'd know on your roster? Yes, she said shortly and you aren't going to get those. I only dropped Mark's name because I wanted to be able to tell you that he's got an even bigger cock than you. I had begun to think such a thing was not possible, to hear women talk. I just stared at her. He knows how to use it, too. She went on airily. I was about to have my eyeballs fall out of their sockets. My lord, you are wonderful, she said, looking at me with something like affection hung like a horse and sweet as honey. She leaned over and kissed me, not on the mouth, but on my cheek. I turned my head toward her, and she pulled away. I opened the door and began to step out. Good luck, she said, slipping the huge SUV into gear with my daughter. You are going to need it.